0: Hello, everyone. This is Mike Epstein, and welcome to Speaking of the Arts. Today's guest is Jay Sweet. Jay is the executive producer of the Newport Folk Festival, the Newport Jazz Festival, and Newport Festivals Foundation, a 501c3 which expands the impact of its festivals through music education initiatives throughout the United States. During his tenure, the Newport Folk Festival has won five Polestar Awards for Music Festival of the Year, and America's original music festivals have regained their stature as premier happenings. Our conversation took place approximately 48 hours after Jay and his team had to make the announcement they were canceling both festivals this year. And I'm grateful to Jay for taking the time to speak with me during that difficult period. Jay spoke to me about several important things that are very timely for our industry right now, including how we can support artists even if you can't give them money. By the end of our conversation, I was impressed at how positive Jay came across for both the future of Newport and its incredible history, and you will hear some great stories from him. Thanks for listening everyone, and please take care.
1: Hey Jay, thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Of course. So, this was a tough week. You guys had to make the announcement to cancel the Newport Folk and Newport Jazz Festivals, and I was thinking about this. It's it's obviously a decision that a lot of festival producers around the country have already made and are are continuing to have to make, especially as we enter the beginning of May right now. What was some of the criteria that maybe helped you guys in guiding your decision to ultimately have to make the tough call?
2: Well, you know, we were, we were always in touch with the governor of Rhode Island and uh, our event happens on a state park. So, you know, it was always going to be ultimately her decision in many ways. And, you know, we, we've been, you know, obviously continually balancing the idea of, of continuing these, you know, six decade long cultural institutions with obviously the safety of our staff, audience, and artists. Um, not to mention the incredible amount of economic impact. The festivals have um, on the city of Newport and the state of Rhode Island uh, about fifty-eight million dollars. So it also, you know, it is it's a big tourism thing for uh, the state of Rhode Island. It's kind of the Kentucky Derby, you know, of of Rhode Island. It's kind of the the thing that the tourism board promotes all over the world. And so you know, it's it was difficult. You know, it's it's but you have to kind of fall on safety first right um and those are those are things that you know are always imperative to to take into consideration and put as the primary concern and so it it was it was a decision but it was wasn't really you know when it came Mm -hmm. down to it the idea of you know it was kind of the uh you know the the heart the heart wants to pray for miracles and and keep keep hope alive and sometimes the head has to, has to win out. And I'm usually a hard first Mm -hmm. guy. So, so it was, it's tough to let the head win one.
1: (laughs) For sure. For sure. Are there, what do current ticket holders need to know as far as their options for this year and also 2020, I'm sorry, 2021?
2: Yeah. um, We were in a uniquely weird situation um, because we're a nonprofit and very small, small company. Um, You know, our, we we don't have a refund policy. We we didn't have one, but it's not in our egalitarian nature of, of George Ween and, and Pete Seeger being our founders. Um, you know, we of course were we understand the adversity and hardships that people are going through. So we offered full refunds. Like I said, even though we we don't we didn't really have to. We we offered full refunds to those who need it, and then you know putting the power of of our future into the hands of the fans. Um, because if we don't get a certain amount who will allow us to keep their ticket income as a 100% tax deductible donation, you know, the the, the kind of the our future is definitely in question. Um, so we also offered, on top of being able to give us a certain amount of your ticket income as a donation, um, the other side was we started selling revival memberships, something we created just, just for these unprecedented times to to offer up the chance to guarantee a ticket or buy a ticket for 2021, uh, now, um, and, you know, applying your funds that we are currently holding towards that program. So that was, those are really the three options that we did. And, you know, so far we're about 48 hours into this and I don't know when this, uh, this podcast is going out, but at the moment we're about 48 hours into it. And, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be close. It's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough, uh, tough thing we still have two more weeks but um to, to during the refund period but you know we should uh we should know more in a couple of days and of course you know the interesting thing is I'm what I'm really thankful for is you know a lot of people understand us as just the year-round non-profit that we are and don't you know think of us as uh festivals they think of us as our non-profit work and the people who've donated just to keep the the foundation doing its good deeds that it does year-round um that's been remarkable to see Um, the people that understand that we aren't a festival company. We're a year round music education, nonprofit that happens to throw two well-known festivals. Um, And that, that may sound, uh, you know,
1: uh,
2: that that what I'm saying is I don't think a lot of people know that. So I, I, I am continuously thrilled when people are making donations to the foundation just because of the work we do, not having anything to do with the festivals proper.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the things I was going to ask you about in, in just a minute here about some of the year-round um, educational initiatives you guys do, and also some of the programming. But I was just thinking, in terms of this year's festivals, is there anything scheduled, or I mean, will there any be anything scheduled on either festival date virtually? Yeah, both both, both kinda...
2: weekends. You know, both weekends are going to have a, a pretty unique programming that we're building, um, kind of keep it in, I'm in, under wraps right now, but it will be unique. It, it's, it, I mean, I guess you have to use the word virtual in some respects, but it would be, um, you know, kind of a mixed media type of type of thing. And uh, what I'm really thankful for is everybody's support that so far we've reached out for our plans. And everybody's been um, super super supportive, you know, these festivals are truly unique amongst, I mean, they were the original music festivals in the country, so that in itself makes them unique, um, but, you know, that they're not the way most people think of a typical festival. They're completely, you know, take Newport folk, They're, they're the tickets go on sale with no artists announced, um, and then once the tickets are gone in about 10 minutes, you know, little by little, the 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 lineup is announced and about 25% of it is never announced until they walk, you know, those artists walk onto the stage. There's, there's no, um, posters, there's no advertising, there's no marketing. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's just a very unique beast. And, and the quote folk family, um, same with jazz family, but, you know, with the folk family, it truly is a community of people where, you give what you have and and with asking nothing in return but what you get back in return is, is tenfold. And I think those are those uh those positive virtuous uh kind of those positive feedback loops are are really rare in the entertainment business. Um and mostly because I probably we're not in the entertainment business. We're 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 in this other kind of other category. Um and that everything I just said is what we plan on celebrating. Now, all the way through, you know, the, the two festival weekends and then, you know, through the fall, uh, we have some really unique things that we're going to be rolling out once we get through this um, donation slash refund period.
1: And may I ask you, or maybe to the best extent that you're able to answer, what's been the response for artists making commitments for 2021 that we're supposed to be in 2020? Does it uh, so, seem so far, like no major? one has said
2: they are not coming. And we've invited everybody. So that's
1: great. I mean, look, that's great. only
2: the future will tell, but uh not one person, not one artist out of uh 135 roughly um which I've communicated with um and so far not one has I mean everybody's hey, lock me in, tell me the date, let me know if I can do something in the meantime. So yeah. It's a testament to what these events really mean to the to the general marketplace and beyond.
1: I agree, and I think, given what the reality is for artists right now it's only it's only um a, it's only a more important um thing to look forward to right it's i mean of course, if they could reschedule it, they would want to but um, and this is something i was i'm gonna skip around here just a little bit, but it begs the question what what have you kind of observed in the past few weeks in general from the industry? Just, you know, as people are trying to really rally together and get through this, there's a lot of initiatives and fundraising going on. And, I, I, you know, from my end, I, I'm very um, encouraged by the level of creativity I'm seeing. Um, I don't know. Does anything come to mind that you've seen?
2: Yeah, I in think we're in of – yeah, I think, like everything, the, the dual nature of any – um, adversity like this is those are there. There are those that hunker in the bunker and just say, tell me when it's safe to come out. And until then I'm going to stay curled up and, and hidden. And then there's the others who kind of, you know, lace up their boots and figure out, you know, how to respond to the situation and to help those around them. And I feel musicians are are to me, in, in some respects, uh, you know, vital workers as well, right? And and I think what you're seeing here is, while yeah, there's tons of fundraisers and this and that. Eventually, it's going to come back where we're going to need to start paying our musicians to do things, um, you know, whether that be to help create content, whether it be to – Um, Do play small virtual events, um, whatever it may be, um, there are those that are adapting to the situation and realizing that no matter how trite it sounds, we are all in this together. And then there are others who just want this nightmare to be over and are just going to not do anything. Um, And I don't think one is better than the other or not. But the interesting thing is that while I know, because I, a lot of these people are my friends, a lot of these artists are obviously really looking forward to not only playing live, but playing live so they can start making an income again. And while that is important, obviously, and that's, that's, that's the uh, kind of the physical reality in some respects, the emotional reality is that I think artists understand, say with Newport, the importance of things like Newport, where it's not so much about, the name that's atop the poster, it's about a community. It's about it's about how you interact and what you can give and what you get out of it when you give wholeheartedly and fully. And I think those things come out more when faced with adversity and hardship, right? The those feelings of, Wow, we are so much stronger as Pete Seeger said, we're so much stronger when we sing together. And you can adapt that to say we're just so much stronger when we when we support each other. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that it, every artist is facing it the best they can and doing what they think is right. Um, to me, I'm obviously drawn to the ones that are that are trying to figure out how they can help and not really looking for anything in return. And the so one thing I did want to bring up like, is, is it, I always look at it as I use music as something that kind of uh, – how do I say this? I look at music as something that enhances any moment of joy in my life, right? It adds bliss to joyful moments, but more importantly, and I think to a lot of people, music is also there for me in really tough times and difficult times as well. But I don't know what if people who use music as a salve or a bomb or, you know, some great healer, which it is, realize that who's helping the people that are creating music who's emotionally supporting the people that are creating the art that you and I use to get us through our tough times. And that's where I've been asking people who say, Hey, look, I have, I can't help. I can't donate. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, strapped. I said, totally understand. I mean, you know, we all are. Well, my advice is write a love, write a love letter to your favorite musician. There are ways to get it to them, you know, via social media, write a love letter, listen to their music, but but let them know what it means to you so if you can't pay them back financially pay them back emotionally there's a value to that there's a reminder to artists who are pouring their hearts out and and with no real chance at the moment of gaining any type of income they're doing it because they're poets and artists and whatever they they but they you can pay them back with emotional support because they're there i mean i use I use music as my emotional support system, and so I think it's only fair that if we're in this together, that I I'm kind of looking for people to really step up and let musicians know we all have the time more a little more time than we had. This is it should be used to give back to the people that are I think you know first line responders or front line responders because I think music has has been helping a lot of people get through these times.
1: Thank you for bringing up that point' It's, I, it's, a, it's really it, really important for sure, and I don't think enough people are um, making that connection and if they're if they're worried that they can't make a financial con- contribution, your advice about reaching out to an artist and thanking them and just giving them emotional support is it's really important right now. And I'm yeah, you, you I mean, listen, we all
2: know, we've, we've all heard the, hey, support them by streaming them, which we know is, you know, half cents, you know, pennies and pennies, or buy a piece of merchandise, which is the best way to donate to them, because you're not only giving them money, but you're also then kind of marketing their brand out to a world. But I'm, I'm telling you, I, I talk to these people, and what they need right now is to hear, truthfully, if what they're doing is helping.
1: You know,
2: right. It gives it gives purpose to what they do as a profession. Um, you know, and I I don't know if I just I'm not hearing enough of that. I'm hearing a lot of oh I love these guys, but it's out on their own channels. You know what? No. Right. What you should be doing is reaching out on their channels and writing them and saying hey, and not asking for anything. You know, hey I'd love a picture. Don't do that. Just just, you know, give, give, give your, give what, what's the music means to you, to, to them. That's the, one of the greatest gifts that you can do, anybody can do. Um, I, I, I know I also speak for myself, you know, I, were what I, I said that the other day when we canceled was the, the single worst and perhaps the single best day I've ever had as a professional Um, simultaneously, because for the heartbreak and the emotional gut punch of, Having to cancel those words coming out of you know my mouth um the outpouring of support and and emotional and financial, but the emotional of you know small kids who I've handed a you know a, a musical instrument to, or you know my staff who's just been working for you know two weeks straight to try to do what it's never had to do before um you know, I know, and I'm very fortunate to speak for them, you know, it's the, it's the letter written in crayon, you know, by, by a kid, you know, I am really going to miss coming to the festival because it's where my brother and my sister and my grandmother and my parents, we all go, you know, written by a six year old, you know, that, that makes you, it gives you the fuel you need to kind of wake up and face the difficult times. Um so, yeah, it's not all – I mean, look, the donations help. The donations help us try to realize that we have a future, but um, it's equally as important to support what you love emotionally.
1: I was watching a, a panel discussion a couple weeks ago with people, people in the industry um, kind of in a different side of it. These were more – Arena rock acts and large (laughs) scale shows and stuff like that. But one somebody made a really good point on that call, which was kind of what you were just saying about emotional support for artists. But they were saying, look, when we're able to do these events again, people need to take the time to thank the the behind-the-stage scene people. They need to take the time to thank the crews. They need the time to take just take the time to thank ushers, everybody who kind of is that behind-the-stage
2: absolutely
1: um, worker because absolutely yeah because I mean, you have to think paid. i bring
2: i bring 200 staff which don't obviously work year-round you go from say an eight person staff to 220 as you get closer and closer to the events and for us the vast majority of those people are volunteers they don't get paid at all they Right. right they're, they're doing it for the love of the game and mm. i think it's so weird because I think in some respects the volunteers have this certain kind of really gentle authority to people because they're like, look, I'm not, you know, I'm not getting paid to take your abuse. I'm getting paid so I can share in this collective experience with you. And I think that allows it sets a certain tone, you know, an event like ours. But man, I, I remember, I, um I'm very fortunate to work with a lot of other festivals and I know I, I, one of the things I love to do is, you know, it's, it's 8:30 at night and, and, and the, the, the kind of security guards that are sitting there in front of the mojo barrier, you know, just to protect the the stage. And, you know, they've been standing on their feet for 12 hours, just walking up and handing them a bottle of water, the joy <laughs> on their face of just, of just like, somebody is thinking about them. Right. Like you, you know, security is the best when you don't even notice they're there, right? Until something happens right. and then you're thankful they are. It's noticing that they are there. And I don't mean just the security. I mean anybody, you know, the person who's ripping your dick at um, all right. these people. Um, it, it, that's, I keep going back to that word community and, and I know it gets sometimes thrown around and, and, but I've been feel fortunate that I am part of truly like a true community that we, there is no, you know, the, the quote hierarchy that comes with other organizations doesn't really exist with ours, right? Um, you know, there's a, there's a favorite person that a lot of the artists get to know. And, and if you see the artists, um, the artists that are playing particular art festivals, you know, they'll always say there's this woman, Marianne, and she's been there for, I don't know, coming on a decade now. And her job is she has one of the toughest jobs, I think, on the entire site. She is, the security person that works between the backstage and front of house she controls who flows through there and <laughs> you know it's really funny because you know you listen to some people who've been to the festival like a christian mcbride a jazz or you know like or jim james and something and they will say when you ask them about the festival they're like oh just every time i get to see marianne it's the greatest and people are like who the hell is marianne it's like she's she's just this amazing person who has had this one job where for 6 days and by the way she's a nurse the rest of the time you know and for 6 wow. days she stands on her feet for 15 hours and somehow manages to be strong and and direct but also kind it, it, it's 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 the toughest job because think how many people are like do you know who I am and I need to be there and or hey I'm an Uber fan and I want to get back there instead of you know mm-hmm. plopping out you know a chest and screaming at somebody it, it's all handled with this kind of mom that you don't want to disappoint attitude and uh, you know I just I I'm using this as an example of her her ability to work her position by the way she hears no music. She can't i mean she hears it she 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 sees no music and she does that for no money and she's been doing it for a decade and what i'm trying to say is she is just as important to the fabric of our our values and what we do as anybody who gets up in front of a microphone it's it's it it starts with those people um how many times have you had it could be the crappiest room in the world and a band that you kind of don't even want to see but you might even go to that show just because you're like, hey, you know what? That bartender's pretty freaking cool over there at that place. Or <laughs> you don't know what it is, right? That enhances the experience and doesn't interrupt the experience. And a lot of times, I would bet that that when you don't think about those people and to smooth, amazing event where you everything works perfectly, it's because of those people that that you don't right. recognize. So yeah, I. I it is something obviously we think about and I don't ever want to take it for granted and I try not to. So I really appreciate you bringing that up because, you know, I am, I'm, I'm personally, my job is to really worry about the artists um, and my staff, obviously, but, uh, and the fans, but, but you just nailed it. It's, it's so much of this has to come with everybody, the bus driver, every single person add something to a really great show.
1: Well, thank you, Marianne, for your service if you I'll are listening. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean I wrote, when I heard that I wrote it down as a reminder to myself to talk to my own artists and say, look, the first show you get to do when you get to do it, where what wherever it is, no matter how big or small the venue is, take time to thank as many of those behind the support uh, behind the stage, seeing people as you can from the stage, I, and I'm, you know I can't tell you how much of a difference that'll make. I call it this a smile and nod. I,
2: I spend a lot of time walking out amongst the audience during during our shows, and all it takes is just a smile and a nod. And I, I, you know, I'm I'm luckily recognized by a lot of people, and I will go out and I just get this kind of this this little nod and a and a smile, you know. And whether it be a thumbs up or a clasp to the heart or a high five, there's not, there's not, it's not, it's it's not even verbal. You know what I mean? It's just this. I'm acknowledging it, and right. that's it. It's what it takes because it goes it goes a long way with with helping, with helping everything. And by the way, that's in life too, right? <laughs> like, um, right? You know, essential workers. Same thing. Is what I'm trying to say is we're talking about one industry, but that obviously can easily be adapted to all, right? You know, the person that you used to take for granted, you know, paper or plastic when they're putting your food in a bag, um, you know, it's a smile and nod. Of It it, it goes a long way in, in every aspect of life.
1: It certainly does. What are some of the things you are hearing from other promoters right now um, in terms of, new protocol or or maybe safety requirements that are going to have to be instituted going forward. Um, I've heard a lot of different discussion on this, and I'm just kind of curious um, from your perspective, you know, what what are some of the things you might be hearing as well?
2: Well, a lot of what I'm hearing is twofold. One is people talking about, you know, nine months out from now. And I honestly, I don't really listen because anybody who's Saying they know what's going to happen is a liar or a charlatan because none of us do. Um, and on the other side, what I love is I've been on calls where I realize with some very of the, you know, bigger names in the industry. And, and what I love is the fact that I'm many of us are watching the entire music history be rewritten in real time. Like, you know, like we're all kind of, there's a lot of holding of breath and waiting for somebody to come out and set the new kind of protocols, you know? And, um, I, I think it's, it's fascinating to me, you know, it's, it's fascinating is what precedents will be set. And the interesting thing with something like Newport in particular, um, folk and jazz is, you know, we have, I mean, we, 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 uh, not me, but George wing created the paradigm. Literally created the festival paradigm. And if you ask anybody from C3 or AEG or Superfly or, you know, if before George, there, the term festival didn't exist, right? Um, you know, 15 years before Woodstock. <laughs> um, and I kind of, while it's obviously I'm keeping my ear to the ground and waiting to see what people do, you know, George has always inspired me to just say, if don't wait what's the point do it we're small enough we screw up we'll change it you know but if you think meaning me he's always giving me like if jay if you think something is you feel we can go in a direction go in that direction um it's part of being the david versus the goliath of the duopoly of the live nation aeg's of the world right so i am trying to listen to what they're doing um because you know there is a symbiotic relationship in some respects uh you know between someone like me, a nonprofit, small, independent versus, you know, a behemoth. And um, because, you know, there are some practices that um, will serve us both. But in all honesty is while I'm listening, I'm just thinking, what, what do we do, right? Let's just focus on us. Um And that's really helped me make a lot of inform a lot of my decisions is, you know, someone's got to be the tip of the spear and, um, mm-hmm. You know, why can't it be us? Um, so as far as the safety measures, I, I honestly don't know because I, I, I don't think anybody does. You know, I mean, look, we have metal detectors. Does that mean we're going to have, you know, temperature detectors when people walk in? I maybe, maybe, maybe if, you know, hey, um, you know, there's a, but I mean, what if there's a, uh, you know, if if there's a, uh, a vaccine you can get, then we what's the need for a temperature scanner? So, I, what I'm saying is people who are like, okay, you know, all insurance requirements are going to be people have a six foot hula hoop around their waist. But I, you know, who the hell knows? Like everybody right. can project, but until it comes down, no one, no one knows. And that's, that's both making me feel anxiety ridden at the same time, excited because we're going to see. What I care about the most is the cathartic release that is coming of when we can all commune together. That's what I'm the most mm-hmm. excited about is to be able to look someone in the face when we both have that open E base bomb vibrate through our chests. And I don't know that person and they could be different political background, religious background, sexual orientation, whatever it is, but we both just felt that. And we kind of look at each other, you know, shoulder to shoulder at a, at an event, and you just kind of nod, and you're like, oh, yeah, like, that cathartic release of being able to vibrate around each other is something I'm, that's what, that's the blue sky and that I'm I'm trying to look through the dark clouds for.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that, too, because, as you know, this has affected different parts of the country in very, very different ways, Um, both in terms of the way people are having to kind of create new lives for themselves but also how their own local governments are responding and you know at least up here like in, in boston right like we still i know that this week some parts of the country have started to open up non-essential businesses like i'm hearing reports about um, i don't know like tattoo parlors or or like you can actually go to restaurants in certain places as long as or get your haircut, people or get your hair cut yeah but um <laughs> when you're mentioning like that sort of cathartic release, I mean, I was even thinking about up here when, when we're able to go to restaurants again, I mean, I don't know if it's, if it's an exaggeration, but I, I have to feel like it'd be, it'd feel like a party just to walk into a restaurant. Well, we get, what I know? said is
2: the food will never taste so good as yeah. that first meal, that, that first meal where someone served you or, or the taste of that first margarita that you didn't make, right. <laughs> you know, right. um, yeah, Everybody's and that's walk what I'm talking about, about, about that yeah. feeling of, I don't think, look, it's human nature, we'll take, we'll, you know, um, we'll take things for granted again once we get back into a new normal, and that's something that I, have but I've, I feel like my team, you know, we have always fought against that. You don't take, I think just the way I'm talking again about my festival I just don't think the people... The audience that have we've grown with, or, or or helped, you know, commune, is one of those things that doesn't take anything for granted. It doesn't. I mean, it, it takes for granted. Maybe that's a misnomer. I mean, it, it takes for granted that they trust that there's going to be amazingly shared collective experiences at the fort, but they don't take the music for granted. And it's not just the the big time bands. It's it's everybody. I mean, I, you you probably know. You know, Newport. The doors open at ten. And it before mm-hmm. the first note is played at eleven o five when the first note of music is played every day, we're at ninety to ninety five percent of house full at, at a festival at eleven in the morning and it, you know that's because every stage is packed from the moment a note is played, and there's no four band that's playing to an empty field you know because they're the sunday eleven a m thing totally packed and what I mean by that is I'm hoping that that feeling of never wanting to take live music, a good meal, you know, a hug from a friend, it's going to be, I just hope that when that comes back, that the period before we take any of it for granted stays extended as long as possible. That's what I do hope that this pandemic gives us as a gift. And I don't know because I think when other things have happened, the sentiment of it doesn't die, but the practice of it does.
1: I I couldn't agree more. I think, and also just specifically about Newport, uh, there's um there's a certain like there's a certain it's not it's more than just community. It's 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 a certain like experience that like-minded music lovers have come to expect by going there. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, it makes
2: makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's for music
2: lovers, and and people don't. You can say that to people like, well, I've gone to seven Coachellas, and I've never missed a Bonnaroo, and I always every every show I can get see at the Blue Hills Bank, whatever I don't even know what that thing is called now. Harbor Life Blue Bank (laughs) Pavilion, whatever. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Whatever they want to call it this year, whoever the big sponsor is, Um, you know. that's fine. I, by the way, that's great entertainment. I go to those things too. I mean, everything I just mentioned, I enjoy and It, it, it adds to my, you know, addictions for music. Um, but I know I'm not objective, but if you really want to go see where true music lovers, are, I mean like where it because there are no Ferris wheels and there are no weird, you know, cultural and arts fair mixed with a music thing. And there's, Cornhole and all, you know, it's right. it's literally a bunch of snow fencing and music, as much music as you can possibly. And I was having an exchange with a fan um, the other day, and they said something. They wrote a love letter to Newport. To 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 our earlier conversation about people just so kind, and and that's where I got this feeling. I was like, these love letters they're writing. It's not a a Twitter of 140 characters. They're they're like three page love letters that have these examples of little things, these little moments that just make their Newport experience just so much greater. And one of them was talking about, um, how I think it was Hozier's first time, his very first, basically his very first festival he ever played was Newport. And during that song, he's basically stepped away from Mike and his whisper singing and you, you, you literally cannot hear anything pin drops or anything. It's, it is so quiet. And then two beats later, the song ends. And there's this eruption of applause. And we were talking, I was like, yeah, it was kind of like when passenger did sounds of silence on the big stage in front of like 7,000 people. And you, if you're listening, you can hear the gulls like crying as they go. Like you can literally, (laughs) you can almost hear like halyards on sailboats slapping because 7,000 people when he's singing song, Sound of Silence with just him and an acoustic guitar and he's whisper singing and I said I don't know how many events like I just can't picture that at a festival with that many people and not some buddy yelling yeah woohoo like I just I, 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 it's those that's what I'm saying it's funny because it's like those things where it's just this audience is so filled with music lovers that it's it's there to listen truly listen, truly to be open to that musical, you know, be present and be open, you know? And, and I don't know, I can get off on that thing because it's just an incredible uh, thing. It just fills me with joy and hope is because I thought I was one of those few people, you know what I mean? I thought, you, you know, when you think you're like I'm this nerd or freak or weirdo because of my dying affection and addiction to music, and then all of a sudden you find this nirvana where there's 10,000 people and they all feel almost exactly the same way as you do about music. I mean, that's heaven. And the artists that, that realize that when they come, I mean, I I listen to artists tell other artists I've been, you know, right there, hey, I'm playing Newport, you've played it, what should I expect? And, you know, people kind of smile and laugh and be like, well, you know, if you don't bring your A-game, you know, people people will give you the chance but you you can't just do it like it's another show in chicago or another show at your local bar whatever because they're so intently listening they'll let you go and take chances and if you mess up that's not it but if you're not trying to go for it it's just they these music these are musical omnivores and they will they eat everything and if you don't bring it they're going to let you know and that's what i love is you have to bring your and it, i mean when i say a game it's not about perfection it's about trying to take a chance, going above and beyond, holding that note an extra thing or trying to go for the high note or whatever it is, even if you fail and they'll love you just as much if you fail as if you succeed as long as you're pushing and challenging. And that's different. And then, oh God, I'm just here until they play the big radio hit which will be like the second to last song before the encore. Like, you know, I love those shows too. I go to a lot of them but You know, I know when I can go get a drink and when I can go talk to people and, you know, and, but it's just, just, you know, people don't do that in Newport. You know, it's frowned upon even when you pull out your phone. People are like, dude, put that away. I just love that. Anyway, I obviously, that's what I miss, man. You know, it's tough talking about it because 48 hours ago there was still, you know, even the slightest of hope. And now knowing that it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to go 15 months or whatever it is, 400 and fifty days or whatever it is to to have that to be surrounded by the folk family and the jazz families who who they're all there for one thing. Music. Everything about it. Just music.
1: Yeah, it's always been my experience when I'm there that you you certainly what you're seeing on stage is um is is an amazing experience and something to behold and appreciate. But there's also a lot of connections you make exactly like you were just describing with the people who are there to see the music, the unexpected conversations you might have. I think I have to imagine that Newport is much more conducive for that type of um, connection than certainly in my there's experience. There's a group, there's there these, all these groups that
2: like the quad squad. There's a group of people that only, they only know each other by first name, right? <laughs> or in some of it, it's the random guy who knows who he is, the random guy, who so they all go in this certain area in the quad every single year and they never leave the spot. And even That's though great. their favorite musician might be playing less than a hundred yards away on the other side of the wall, they, they're part of the quad squad. They, and by the way, they're not possessive or territorial. They're they, they are, they're like, literally, if you walk in there, they'll start hugging you even if they don't know who you are. And they, they're not right. a group of friends that hangs out outside of, that moment or the high five line, you know, a group of people who just decide at the end of every day, right next to the exit, they're going to line up shoulder to shoulder on either side of the walkway and just hand out high five. And, and people feel as if they're walking a weird Newport red carpet, you know, like people start That's cheering so cool. and people are looking over their shoulder being like, are they cheering for me? Yeah, we're cheering for you. You just experienced Newport. And, but that, that, that has grown to now it's like two or 300 people that the minute the show's over, they run to, to stand there to offer up high fives for people that are walking out. I didn't have nothing to do with that. I didn't That's create cool. that. I, and, but I could literally, I could waste the rest of our time together telling you all those people, you know, all, how many different groups uh, uh, are formed and like somehow cause you gangs of good uh mm-hmm. at the event and and again the, my favorite part about it is it wasn't like hey everybody like it wasn't a tweet from me or my my crew you know this was they built it because it is it was organic event. just as much as it's totally organic and it's just as much their event as it is anything to do with me you know what I mean it, it really is and that that isn't you know it's not a I always say it's, it's definitely more of a circle than a triangle. It's not like, you know, promoter and band and then, it you know, and it goes down and everyone that to me is, look, the world needs entertainment and there is music that is entertaining, right? That is projecting one way it is going from stage out, right? And yes, every once in a while there's applause and that comes back. In Newport, the energy is in constant, like a tennis match where the energy goes out and comes right back, goes out and comes right back. In your head, it would be on a swivel if you could view that energy. You know, it just goes back and forth. And it's amazing to watch musicians just not expecting it. Like weird standing ovations in the middle of songs because something happened where we all felt that same thing happen at once. I don't know what it is, that feeling of whatever or whatever it is. I don't know. But it's. I always watch. I trust the audience, right? So I'm never, I'm not usually watching them because I, kn- I've gotten to be one of them. I just love the expressions on artists' faces when something happens that could only happen at Newport. That's, that's where the gold is for me, in particular.
1: Well, also you hear lots of, lots of times you hear artists talk about on tour. Sometimes they're not aware of, I mean, they're jokingly not aware. Of Hello, Griezmann. Right. right or. Hello, they have to ask, where are we? And then, oh, Cleveland, right. But yeah, yeah. to your point, I mean, just the experience of playing Newport, right, is so vastly different for so many reasons.
2: Well, that's, that's what the advice, when they ask me for, they ask those musicians, I said earlier what they, you know, musicians, when they ask me for advice, I'm like, the smartest, the only piece of advice I get, literally the only piece of advice I get. And it's the same. You must let those people know that you know where you are, it's meaning it's the exact opposite of the Hello Cleveland. If if any of that audience thinks you're not respecting the fact that you, they bought a ticket without knowing you were there, that's one, right? They bought a ticket not mm-hmm. knowing you're going to be there. So you don't need to play the hits because they didn't even know that you were going to be there when they bought the ticket. But what they do know is if you don't bring it, like I said earlier, if you, if you just play that same festival set, you play it at the other four festivals leading up to this, You'll get some polite claps, but people will either sit on their hands, get up, or walk out. They just will not – they will not suffer people that don't understand. You are part of the newest chapter that year. You are the newest chapter in the longest rock and roll history book that is continuously being added to and written and chapters added every year. And no matter how big you are, you are not as big as names as Mississippi John Hurt, You are not as big as Bob Dylan. You are not as big as Johnny Cash. You are not as big as Joan Baez. You are not as big as Dolly Parton. You are not as big as, and blah, 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 blah. So ego, leave it on the other side of the bridge, because if you bring it in, you're not going to connect. You have to be egoless when you walk in there to know that you're there to just share in the common experience. You were there to be part of the family picnic for that year. And... A lot of bands they they just it's they can't break that muscle memory of you know they get into a groove over a, a long summer tour and then right. but then you you know but the bands that do understand that you got to say something a little special you know in the holsters so to speak those are the ones the ones who come they're the ones who are like okay i'm going to do my set and then i'm going to make sure that oh i'm going to get up and i'm going to sing with john prine or or i'm going to go into the museum and do a set of irish folk tunes or I'm going to go sing backup to a backup on a a band that I've never met just because I love that song. And I'm going to not even tell them. I'm just going to walk up on the stage while they're doing it and just sing the ooh-la-la. Like that is the, you can tell the veteran Newport folk family performer because they know what it takes.
1: Well, I was going to say, listening to you describe this, that just one more point about the audience. They, whether it's their, first time or they've been coming for many years, I think to some extent they expect they expect the artist to maybe understand the history of the festival, right? Or of the respective yeah. festival. And um and that also by by definition, um, of course sets it apart from any other um any other festival. There's this incredible history from it. And I, I would imagine in your experience maybe some of the best performances you've seen Somehow fit into that narrative for it for their own time. Absolutely, does that make
2: sense? Uh, No, I I mean you really yes. (laughs) The answer to that question (laughs) is, I know the one of the few things that I, I know I have a pretty good handle on, perhaps more than most is, and it's not only the it's not always the steps that you expect. I know which moments are going to be remembered kind of the bigger things that are good. And it's not just the big names, you know, it's, it's Nathaniel Ratla's first time at Newport, the improvised dance mosh pit that started off stage left. Like there are things that I know, like when the Felice Brothers power went out in 2008 or nine, the power went out on the smallest stage in the beginning of the day. And they there was a mud pit in front of them because it had been raining all day and they took all their instruments off the stage and they formed a circle in the mud and they played. Smallest band, smallest stage, Sunday, earliest slot goes down in Newport history as one of the craziest. And I could go on, but it's, 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 I know because, and it happens organically and it's authentic and, and, and it just happens. And, And it's those moments that you just, if you, you just, I know when they happen after, am like, yep, there was one. That's, and, and I just look at it, you know, I've been fortunate to be doing this for coming on 13 years. And just my experiences in those 13 years can fill volumes of moments. If you're a person like me that loves the moments, it's the smallest moments. The, the greatest, the greatness of the world is made up of the smallest moments. And I collect them like stamps or, you know, baseball cards. I collect those moments. And then you look at someone like George Ween, who's 94. And he's been doing it for 65 plus years. It's um, amazing. You know, you're you're like, okay, I think out of 13, I've got it. And he's he's got me by, you know, he's got me by, you know, whatever, 52 years. of uh, Over a half a century more of those. So I think uh, – I, I do love the artists, that, the artists that understand where they are, my advice, right? You have to let that audience somehow, you don't have to tell them, but you have to somehow express to them that you are fully conscious that you are at Newport and that you are just nothing but another page in the continuously written book of music. And if you know that and you realize that you are not bigger than the game, you will immediately start off with that audience on a much better playing field to make sure your name is written in ink, you know, hard. And, you know, you try to tell them that. And obviously a lot of bands don't ask for any advice. They show up, they come, they play. And, you know, very rarely do they immediately leave. But, but the you know, I mean, you know how many times, I mean, last year alone there were 14, not artists, mm-hmm. bands, 14 bands that weren't playing the festival at the festival. They just showed up, like on their day off. And they're like, yeah, I'm I'm just going to Newport. Now, I I had somebody made a joke once, and it was Joaquin Phoenix to John C. Riley, the actor. John C. Riley was there uh, playing with, I think it was 2015, with Jack White and some others and his own set. And Beck um, was there. I told this story. I don't know if you've heard of it. So so Beck was there. And so it was Beck, Jack White, Joaquin Phoenix, and John C. Riley, right? So two actors, two musicians. And And Joaquin had just finished playing or, you know, doing Johnny Cash, whatever. So he was, uh, he comes up and and I, and and me, and he comes up and he sees Beth looking at Jack White and their friends. And he's like, Jack, oh my God, I just saw this incredible band. And, you know, I just saw Jimmy Cliff and he was crushing it. And the the percussionist for Jimmy Cliff, we've got to get, we've got to work with that guy. That guy's amazing. And he was like this, like, totally excited little kid talking about what he had seen. And Jack was like, well, where were you? I, I, I didn't see you. I was on the side stage." He goes, oh, no, I was out in the audience. And Joaquin Phoenix was like, oh, hey, Beck, when are you playing? He's like, are you, he goes, oh, are you playing today? He's like, no. And he's like, did you play yesterday? He's like, no. He's like, well, Jack's headlining tonight. When when are you playing? He's like, oh, I'm not playing. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, no, no, no. I, I just happened to be in the area, and I knew Newport was happening. So I, I called Jay and asked if I could some check it out, and I've just... Sorry, I I have been in the audience the whole time, like out in the audience. And he's like, "Well, <laughs> didn't people mob you?" And he, and and I just I, I just remember back looking at him like, "No, nobody mobbed me." Like, what a stupid fucking question. But then <laughs> then Joaquin Phoenix looks at John C. Riley, who's loving this entire conversation, and Joaquin says, "John, I got to ask you a question. How many movies have you done?" And John C. Riley's like, "I don't know, fifty, you know, whatever." And Joaquin's like, "I've done over like sixty movies." And I can tell you never, not once, ever, 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 on one of my days off, did I travel across the country to go watch somebody else film a fucking movie? <laughs> and then he looked at Beck and he goes, so you think I'm an asshole for asking the question? But, dude, what are you doing here? And Beck just looked at him and was like, dude, it's Newport. What, where else? I mean, if you're on, like, it was just such a, like, it's Newport. You must be new here. And it was just well, this. thank
1: you. Yeah. That I'm whole so thing. I'm glad that, you told that story. Know, that really sums up what we were talking it about. It kind of summed that, it all uh, up, right? Like that's, that's you so know, great. And, uh, yeah.
2: It was it was one of those moments where you talk about this historical moments, you know. I, I sat there and I was like, I can't believe I w- witnessed and back he was so funny, he had this little camera around his neck and he was wearing this little like shirt and hat and gla- glasses. Like he, he looked like Buck Henry or something. It was amazing. And 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 and, and it was so funny because he what, he didn't he didn't even get up and like, oh secretly I'm gonna get up and jam. Like he just he literally just came to to hang out. Like just to be a fan. And by the way, as soon as the other, I gotta go out there, you know, some you know, the milk carton kids are gonna play. I heard these guys are good. And I saw him, he's in the middle of the audience and not one person like asked for an autograph or a picture or he just
1: you know, anyway. It's a it's such a respectful environment. It's it's really yeah. unique. Well, So I don't know how we got yeah, here. there. Sure, I, I could, could
2: obviously talk about those moments forever, but uh, I know you were probably wanting to talk about this horrible pandemic, but that's it. Well, we because because I'm, I'm like that I need to do to get through this bullshit.
1: <laughs> I mean, I have to say, like, I'm sitting here listening to talk about all this stuff and I'm like, this is because this is like an incredibly po- um, positive conversation. And yeah. I was, I don't know what to expect, but thank you. I mean, I'm, more excited for music than ever before more excited for yeah. live music more excited to get to newport um yeah this has been totally great we gotta how, be how we here for each other man
2: we gotta we're gonna have to live off the memories a little longer
1: i know i know um i don't want to keep you if you have to wrap this up are yeah, you yeah i gotta how wrap you, this how up we done this time? Alrighty, well why don't we just end here? I mean, Jay, I can't thank you enough for your time today, really. <laughs> yeah, I know man. you've got so much going on. I, I really appreciate it. Well,
2: this was helpful. I needed some levity because, um, you know, I'm going to leave this and go right back into hearing people, the heartbreak,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah. All All right. thanks well, for, for, like Thanks, thanks for filling
2: this. my tank with some emotional fuel. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> thank you for um, being a positive event today I, I, and on my schedule. I appreciate it. All right, man. Talk soon. All right, Jay. Take care. Bye. Bye